Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. This is a message to those that have found the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love who is the one true living God. In the Hebrew, his name is, in the Old Testament, Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh meaning the ultimate I am that I am, the reality above and beyond creation and separate from creation. And Elohim meaning the Almighty's, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God could not be God if he could not rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence. And that requires to be in three personages. And the three ultimate aspects of existence are as the Father beyond the creation realm beyond time and space, knowing and originating the end from the beginning, as the sun fully expressed into the creation realm to create and to communicate on a limited creature level and to experience the creation. And as the Holy Spirit in omnipresence, filling all dimensions of time, space, and existence within the creation realm, and also with the Father beyond. And so, there would only be in that aspect a one true God. I don't want to get off into that too much. I am here to speak to the churches what God, by his Spirit, is saying to those that are gathered around Jesus Christ, whether in groups of one or two or three or in large assemblies. I do this by seeking to speak as the oracles of God, because the Word of God says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. In 1 Peter 4.11, we are to seek when we gather together to allow the Spirit of God to speak out of us and not to be speaking just out of our mind or our own understanding and thoughts, but to be in a relationship of worship. And that's what's explained in Revelations 19.10. It says, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, out of great reverence and love for God, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that can result in creative utterances that are coming beyond ourselves from the spirit of God. And that is what we are always to seek to do in the body of Christ when we are gathered together around Jesus Christ. How greatly this is lacking today in the leadership of churches. But the time is coming for a new order, which will be under the fullness of the headship of Jesus Christ. We need to repent as assemblies across North America and throughout the world for not allowing the fullness of the headship of Christ to inhabit our gatherings together. And I've written a book on this called God Headship and Body Invasion. God Headship in Body Invasion, which you can get on Amazon, which is well over 270 some odd pages in outline format. Of course, there's a lot of writing in there because it's a lot of small print as well. There's paragraphs, I mean, within the outline. 
but you can purchase that on Amazon. You can also get it in Kindle format. So keep that in mind. That's all sharing what one has to do to really facilitate allowing the fullness of the headship of Christ to come in fullness and in glory in your midst. It is time to awaken out of our sleep, brothers and sisters. And one of the things I do to facilitate speaking prophetically as the oracles of God is to cast lots on the scripture to get any possible chapter in the word of God. And I do this with two random applications so that I get two chapters that would bear witness with each other as to what the theme would be. Most of the time, it's very evident that the hand of God is in the theme. Other times, the theme is less evident, but sometimes those are the times when you meditate on it and a theme comes forth that is even more powerful. It would almost seem that you could take any combination of chapters in the Bible and find a theme in it sometimes, but that is not the case, I don't believe at all. But today is such that the theme is less perceptible but I, meditating on those chapters, immediately did discover the theme. And so I want to share what God is saying by his Spirit to the churches today. And I also cast lots on a hymn book of 1,080 hymns from throughout church history and also from the underground church in China through the work of Wachimini. He was martyred in the, uh, I believe, 1972 was when he was martyred. And so I want to share the uh, hymn I received, first of all. And this one, I couldn't find a YouTube video with the words on it, so I found an equivalent one. But I want to read the words of this one. Oh, there was one up there, but <laughs> the singing and the tune was not, it was not sung really well. I just didn't, I'm very particular because I have a playlist on my website for churches to use so they can play those YouTube videos with the words of a great variety of songs for any church that you have or that are you are starting up. So today, again, as usual, is a hymn I've never heard of before and added to the playlist that you can listen to on or watch on my website at loverealize.com. So this hymn is titled basically um it is 844 and strangely this one doesn't the title is just the first lines of the hymn which is lord speak thy word upon us breathe and i'm going to continue to read because this one i'm not going to have as a song another one will be coming up shortly but i want to read some of the verses behold dry bones fill all the earth in graves and scattered round in death. Lord, speak and breathe upon us. Lord, speak thy word upon us. Breathe, revive the bones with quickening breath, that we may leave our graves, our death. Lord, speak and breathe upon us. Lord, speak thy word upon us. Breathe thy people all to make alive. A mighty host, the foe to drive. Lord, speak and breathe upon us. Lord, speak thy word upon us. Breathe, that all thy people may be one led by the headship of the Son. Lord, speak and breathe upon us. Lord, speak thy word upon us. Breathe thy people fitly frame with grace 
to be thy rest, thy dwelling place. Lord, speak and breathe upon us. Verse 6, Lord, speak to me, breathe upon upon me, breathe, revive me in thy body build. No more secluded and self-willed, breathe now, O Lord, upon me. Verse 7, Lord, speak to me, upon me, breathe, with that with thy saints the foe I'll fight, that in thy house thou may delight. Breathe now, O Lord, upon me. Now we will have that song that I found as an equivalent uh, on the internet. This one is the Song of Ezekiel by Paul Wilbur, and it's the lyrics, and here it goes. Prophesying to these dry bones. Live again, live again. Those who are sleeping, those in the grave, live again, live again. Those who are sleeping, those in the grave, live again.
watchman and cry from his place on the wall. Awaken the remnant of Zion. Salvation for all is right. it wonderful song and we are certainly living in a time when the church needs to wake up most of us are sleeping we're not awake we're caught up with some of us just trying to survive others withdrawing into the fetal state out of fear for those things that are coming upon the earth. Others of us caught up with the loves of the world and blinded by that so that we don't even see what's happening around us. You only have to go to my website, either at ultimatemeaning.com or Love Realize, where I have links on the home pages of those two sites to news media that's telling the truth. 
Most of the news media, the main news media nowadays is not. They're lying continually to you, almost saying the opposite of what's really going on. And what's really going on is very shocking. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I want to share with you today what God is saying to you as an individual and to the churches throughout the world in this particular time. And today is September the 6th of 2022. I don't prepare these messages. I just spend a half an hour on these chapters I get meditating and then I preach. And that is the case today. And so we will now go to those two chapters that were taken by Lot. And today I received Job 32 and Ezekiel 40. And at first glance, you would think there is nothing at all between those two chapters. But there is. And the common theme between these two chapters is right vision to overcome trials and temptation. And really, if you go to the chapter before Ezekiel 40, I believe it is on the Valley of Dry Bones. Now, I didn't take that and look at it, but I could easily you know, go there. I do have scriptures up here where I could go there and check that out um, on my little thing here. So I'm going to try to do that right now. Just take a look at that. If I can hit it with the back button and uh, just take a look at where we get to here. Ezekiel 39. Hmm. No, it's, it's, it's in Ezekiel, of course, but 39 is the destruction of... Um, Gog and all the hosts that come against Israel. And earlier there, probably in chapter 36, is the dry bones, somewhere around there, chapter 36. And, um, or maybe, I would say it's around 36 or 37. Yeah, it's chapter 37. But we received Ezekiel 40, but the first one we went we want to talk about is Job 32. And so I want to read the significant verse in Job 32. Um, Job's accusers, all three of them, had finished all that they wanted to say to Job. And then it says this, in verse 2 and 3, Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barachel, the Buzite, of the kindred of Ram against Job, was his wrath kindled, because he justified himself rather than God. Also against his three friends was his wrath kindled, because they had found no answer and yet condemned Job. Now remember that this man, Elihu, was not condemned by God. The other three were, and they were told they had to bring a burnt offering before Job, and Job forgave them. But Elihu was not. Because he did see the issue with Job, and it's mentioned here, that Job was justifying himself rather than God. 
It says in the word of God, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet will I trust. And the whole issue with Job was whether he would fear God or not through this trial. That is what Satan said. We will see if Job fears God or not. So I now want to go to Ezekiel 40 and hit the key verse there because most of it is about the description of the temple. And we read, And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold, with thine eyes and hear with thine ears and set thine heart upon all that I show thee. For to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought thither. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. And I heard him speaking unto me out of the house, and the man stood by me. And he said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever, and my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile, neither they nor their kings by their whoredom, nor by the carcasses of their kings in their high places. They must have had some crazy ritual that involved that. In their setting of their threshold by my thresholds, and their post by my posts, and the wall between me and them, they have even defiled my holy name by their abominations that they have committed. Wherefore I have consumed them in my anger. Now let them put away their whoredom and the carcasses of their kings far from me, and I will dwell in the midst of them forever. Thou, son of man, show the house to the house of Israel that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and let them measure the pattern. So the reason for Ezekiel showing the pattern of the temple to the children of Israel was that they would be ashamed of their iniquities. By showing them the glory of this temple, they were receiving a vision of what things could be, of how much more wonderful and glorious their nation could be, and they as an individual in that nation. Now, in the book of Job here, Elihu points out to Job that his vision is skewed of God. That is why Job is justifying himself rather than God, is that there is, in some measure, through the trial, a skewing of who God is to Job. Not totally. He did not deny the Lord. He did fear God through it all. But there is things coming to the surface as there are in every trial in our lives that are not of God. God's will is that in everything we should give thanks, even in trials. But in trials, there are things that come to the surface where we're not totally thankful. Attitudes come out. This is why it says in 1 Peter that our trial is more precious than gold that perishes. 
and is viewed as gold that is tried in the fire that brings the dross to the surface. The pressure of trials brings those things out of us that are not of God so that they might be exposed. It is then that the enemy wants to condemn us and say, see, that's who you are. You're just dross. You're finished so that we will believe that and find our identity in that and be a castaway. But God wants us, when those trials come, to see our undoneness before him, to see the things that are not of him, that we might, like Job, repent in dust and ashes and abhor ourselves before God and see the things that are not of God in us and repent so that we are changed. And in that, God sees something that reflects his glory in our being, but we also in that have the veil taken away from us so that we see God with, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3 towards the end, that we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. The veil is removed from the heart as described in 2 Corinthians 3. It mentions that the children of Israel still have the veil upon them in the reading of the Old Covenant scriptures. That doesn't mean that there wasn't a remnant that knew a close relationship with God and did not have that veil on them. Abraham, Enoch, walked so close to, with God in such a deep intimacy with God that he was translated, taken straight into heaven. Yeah, God can do that. I'm writing a book on life after death and all the evidence of it. I'm not sure what title for sure I'm going to give it yet, so I'd rather not mention the title yet. One of the reasons, by the way, I haven't been preaching a lot is because I am getting very close to finishing that book and putting in a lot of extra time. I will be back to having video messages. I haven't had one for a long time, as well as more consistent, almost daily messages on these podcasts. But the vision here that God is, what God is wanting to say to his people here from the hymn that we received by the casting of Lot, is that we need to wake up. You see, when you wake up, the veil comes off your heart and you see God for who he really is, just like Job. And sometimes it takes terrible trials to bring us to the place where we wake up. But sometimes people are through the trials, withdrawn into a fetal position of fear and they do not wake up. But God is calling us when we feel like we have no hope, like we're like those dry bones and we are being overcome by the oppression of the enemy and the death of the world around us. Some of us are being drawn by the beta temptations and feeding on death instead of life, on lying vanities, as it says in Jonah, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. God is calling his people to come to a place where he can begin to bring your life together in his marvelous working 
to the place where he can pour out his spirit upon you and you can rise up in his power and his glory and his authority as an individual and as a body in these last days to be conquerors, to be more than conquerors, to walk in the fullness of the power of God's love that is filled with fearlessness because that love has replaced that fear as it says in 1 John, is it chapter 4, perfect love casts out fear. Fear is the consciousness of loss that causes torment, that causes uptightness. But when you are filled with the Spirit of God in fullness, there is no fear. And one a great example of that is Henry Groover. You should look him up on the YouTube videos. I recently put a Facebook up on him on one on a video I found. That man was amazing. I got had the privilege to even meet him personally and have fellowship with him and talk to him. Now he's in glory. He's gone to glory. But he would go in and pray walk in the most dangerous parts of the world. He even went into Al-Qaeda territory and they caught him and they took him into a cave and they said they're going to flay his skin put him on a cross and crucify him and the presence of God came down in that cave and they fled in fear and they wouldn't let any man touch him as he continued to pray in that area this same man that many, many times has put himself in danger where there was no way he would have been able to escape, but miraculously escaped time and time again, fearless, filled with the love of God, preaching the gospel. The same man. There would be meetings that he'd be in, and suddenly diamonds would fall. He was in Denny's with people, Christians fellowshipping, and diamonds and gems fell all over the place so that people were picking them up by the hand, handfuls. He showed handfuls of diamonds to us right on this video. This actually happened. Do you believe that God is that great, that he can do the miracles that happened in the days of Elijah? Well, these are the days of Elijah, as that song says, and it is time to wake up and walk in his power and authority, church. wake up what are you doing spending all your time not redeeming the time because the days are evil being a typical church like you've always been when around you there is the greatest genocide in the history of the world taking place through these vaccinations i just saw the statistics coming out of england recently of those that have received three or more vaccinations 85 percent of them are the ones that are dying in hospitals. And the mortality rate has gone up by, I think they said, what was it? It's either 40 or 46%. Now, normally in the last 200 years, including the Spanish plague, it only went up 10%. These vaccinations are killing all kinds of people. These are facts. They're indisputable coming out from insurance companies, coming out from whistleblowers in the U.S. Army that has downloaded the statistics, which you can look at Renz, R-E-N-Z, hyphen law.com for yourself if you don't believe me. We are living in serious times. And there is lots of needs around us of people that are hurting because they've lost loved ones that have died from these vaccines or they've been injured severely from them. And there's a globalist agenda to take over the world. Just go to 
StopWorldControl.com if you want to learn more about it. Or watch the news, the true news that's not lying to you on the globalist attempt right now of the elite and the Chinese Communist Party to take over the world. We are living in a time to wake up as never before and become God's house of prayer and his house of holiness. Now, I did cast lots on some other scriptures here to get further confirmation on these two chapters as to what God was saying. This happens sometimes that I do this. And I got Deuteronomy 5, and I want to read verse 24 to 29 because it gives further insight into what God is saying. And he said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire, and we have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go thou near, and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it and do it. And the Lord heard the voice of your words. And when ye spake unto me, and the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. Oh, that there were such an heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. You see, God is wanting us to know the genuine fear of God, and the genuine fear of God is a choice to rightly perceive God if we're in a fiery trial like the Job was in, or actually before the very holy presence of God. Oh, that there were heart, such a heart in them that they would fear me always, rightly perceive me, not be deceived like Eve that bought into the lie of Satan so that she perceived God as less than ultimately trustworthy. For God can only be ultimately trustworthy when we first perceive him in the integrity of his love that will not tolerate what is contrary to love, which is corrupt, which is sin. This is the holiness of God I'm talking about, the integrity of his love. That we see that the holiness of God is good, even though it is severe in its judgment. Even in our own lives, we may see great suffering and trials like Job, and then we are tempted to withdraw like David did when the ark slew the high priest he was afraid of God for a season. But then he saw the blessing that was in the house of Obadiban. And he began to sing those songs about the beauty of God's holiness. You see, in the holiness of God, the integrity of his, his love, his beauty, his glory, his goodness, because it ensures that there will be no corruption. It is the antithesis of corruption. It is the opposite of corruption that ensures a destiny of eternal life in heaven forever. So we begin to see the trials in our lives and all the consequences of suffering around us, not in a negative way, but in the sense that we acknowledge God and his goodness through it, that he has a purpose beyond that which we can grasp, because sometimes our mind cannot understand why God's allowing the things that he does in our lives. 
And then God gave me another chapter, Isaiah 43, and I just want to read a few verses from the first two verses of Isaiah 43. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name. You see, he says, fear not. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Did you really think through these trials in your life that I wouldn't be with you? Job thought that. He couldn't see how God was allowing this. He needed to know that God was that great and creative. That's why God describes to him his creativity. That's what it says in Peter concerning the fiery trials. It says, them that suffer are to commit the keeping of their soul unto him as unto a faithful creator. In other words, unto one that is faithful in his creativity in their lives. He has a purpose to believe that he is the potter over your life because you've chosen to buy of him the gold tried in the fire and not to hold on to the things of this world. I will be with thee through the rivers. They shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. That was the case with Henry Groover. He was a bold and fearless man filled with the love of God. Wonderful example. God is calling you to also rise up and inherit the life that he wants to give you, which is life that is abundant even in this life, not in the sense of wealth or riches, but in the sense of knowing an intimacy and a fullness and a liberty that can even be experienced by those that are being tortured for their faith in prison, that they wouldn't trade for all the emptiness of another person's life that's trying to grasp onto the things of this life and is totally empty inside and in bondage. God wants us to know life and to know it more abundant. And that doesn't mean that he can't supply our needs because he did with Henry Groover. There was jewels and diamonds that rained down from heaven. And these things really did happen. Watch the video on all of that. So brothers and sisters, this is the message that God is giving today, that he wants us to know what it is to have a right vision of him, which is out of the genuine fear of God. A right perception of God is a perception that is not like Eve's, buying into doubt, but always perceives God as ultimately trustworthy for who he is in the integrity of his love, out of which springs the greatness of his mercy and grace to us, that he would suffer more than you, a mere creature, and humble himself more than you, a mere creature, so that you could have union and fellowship with him. He loved you and he would die for you if you were the only one that he created. He would have died on the cross for you and suffered for you more than you, a mere creature, would ever experience. That's how much he loves you. Can you reject that love? Oh, no, you can't. All you can say is come before him and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm coming home. I'm coming home never more to Rome. That's the message. Brothers and sisters, I'm speaking with tears here because I know how many of you need to come home and wake up 
and become his bride church. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message.